Take your Bible this morning, please, and turn to Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter number 10. And we will begin in verse number 1. Brethren, Paul says, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But, but the righteousness which is of faith speaks like this. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, into Hades, that is, to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? What does it say? The word is near thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Heavenly Father, this morning we pray and in these moments together in this text that you would, by a miraculous work of your Holy Spirit, come into this place to walk in front of these pews, to stop before each one of our hearts, to open our hearts and to, to speak truth. For unless you do this work, our meeting together here this morning is in vain. So take, dear God, we pray the, the, the words from the page and, and write them upon the tablet of our heart. Open our minds and speak to us, we pray. For Jesus' sake, and in His name we pray, amen. Do we really understand the needs of the world around us? I think sometimes we can, we can get so engaged in our little world that we function in, that, that we fail to fully appreciate maybe the things that take place around our world. Late one afternoon, the staff at Faith Children's Village brought a lone visitor to see Brother Joe Mbewe, our, our administrator. 
The young visitor who had come to the gate was a little girl by the name of Tina. She was 11 years old. And she had walked all day. She, she had come from one of the townships in Kitwe, and, and um, she had heard about this place where people cared. And, and so she left that township and she walked uh, that morning and came down into Riverside and came down to the Kofui River and hopped on one of the little, little boats and was paddled across the river. And when she got to the other side, she asked for directions and someone said, yes, there's an orphanage. If you follow this trail, about six more kilometers. And so she walked and uh, about four o'clock in the afternoon, she is at the gate of Faith Children's Village. Tina's parents had died when she was a little baby and she was then cared for by her grandmother for a couple years uh, and, and then later her grandmother also died. She was then taken by extended family members. Um, that, that part of it's kind of unclear. Um, she was not put in school. She would receive beatings if she did not fulfill her daily allotment of chores. And so at some point, Tina uh, ran away. And... Um, to make ends meet, she would dance in the bars um, in the townships to make money. This is 11 years old. And somebody at some point told her about Faith Children's Village. And on this day, she walked and crossed the river. Have you ever encountered something that so deeply affected you that you felt a deep, searing, anguish, and grief in your heart. What, what are the things this morning that, that causes your heart to bleed? What are the things this morning that, that, that cause you to cry out to God from the, from the bottom of your heart in absolute desperation, to cry out to God, to, to come down and to meet that need. What, what are those things? Well, Paul tells us, chapter 9, verse 1, listen to what he says. I tell the truth in Christ. I'm, I'm not lying. I'm not cheating you, he says. My conscience bears me witness that what I'm about to say to you is the truth. Notice what he says in 9.2. That I have a, a, a great, literally, sorrow, is the word there. That I, that I have a, a great sorrow and a continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. Look what he says in chapter 10 and verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Kent Hughes in his commentary on Romans is spot on when he wrote, and I quote, Romans 9 teaches divine election. Chapter 10 teaches human responsibility. And I emphasize this because it is possible to get just enough of the vertical theology of chapter 9 to make us horizontally irresponsible. 
End of quote. We humans love to be absolved of responsibility. So let's be very clear this morning. If you are here without Jesus Christ, it is not because you are not elect. It is because you are rejecting Jesus Christ. I want to speak to you on the world's greatest need and what you must do to meet it. Notice, if you would, in our text, number one, the gospel is the greatest need of every people group. And that is true because, number one, they are lost. Look with me, please, in verse number one. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. You see, Paul had this God-given, passionate desire for the salvation of his own people group, the Jews. They did not realize it. They, they were convinced otherwise, but they were hopelessly lost. As Isaiah said of them in Isaiah 53, 6, that all we like sheep have gone astray. And Paul has already written in this book of Romans, that all have sinned and come short of, of the glory of God. You see, the gospel is the, is the greatest need of every people group because number one, they are lost. Number two, because all people outside of Christ are trying and failing to establish their own righteousness. Do you see it in verse 2 and 3? For I bear them record that they are zealous for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have therefore not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You see, friends, listen, it's not enough. It is not enough that these people were sincere. It's not enough that they were zealous for God and committed to their religion. Friends, you, you can be zealous for church. You can be zealous in Bible study. You can be zealous in the choir and be lost. You can, you, you can be a very religious person and very committed to your religion, and yet you can be lost. I was on a flight back to Zambia. And I got up in the middle of the night to walk to the back of the plane, use the facilities, and when I got back there, there was a man who had rolled out a little, a little carpet or a little piece of cloth on the floor. And he was on his knees, and he was facing towards where he thought Mecca was, and he was on his knees at the back of a 777, bowing down and praying towards Mecca. You see, there are people who are followers of, of, of Islam who are very zealous and very serious and very, very committed to their religion, and yet they are lost. 
I had friends in Zambia who at one point invited us to their home for a meal. Originally from India. The, my friend said, I want you to see something. He takes me through the house into the back and there was a little room and candles were burning and there was like this golden elephant thing up on a, on a pedestal and, and, and my friend said, this is, these are my parents' gods. Every morning and every evening, without fail, my parents come in here, they get on their knees, and they worship. You see, that, that's what Paul is talking about. He says, I bear these people record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They were trying to be righteous by keeping the law. And some of you base your salvation, your confidence that you are a child of God, you are basing that upon how good you perceive yourself to be this morning. But you see, God's standard is His own righteous perfections. And nobody can pull that off, no matter how sincere they are, no matter how hard they try. The problem is human wickedness and depravity and everyone, everywhere has sinned and stands guilty before God. They are ignorant of God's righteous standard and they're, they're running around trying to establish their own righteousness and in the doing of it have failed to submit themselves to the righteousness of God. The gospel is the greatest need of every people group because all people outside of Christ are trying and failing to establish their own righteousness. And number three, because there is no other way to be reconciled to God. None. And he says that very clearly in verses number 4 through 13. Notice what he says. Verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. When you walk the path of trying to keep the law, the whole purpose of the law is to point you to Christ. The whole purpose of the law is to show you that it is absolutely impossible for you to be righteous. For there is none that are righteous, no, not one. The law, in fact, was not put out there so that you, in any human effort of your own, can keep that law, but rather to show you your own depraved condition and that aside from Christ, there is no righteousness. You can't do it. Salvation through Christ is the only way to God. Faith in Christ's finished work on the cross is the only way that any person, Jew, Gentile, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, can be saved. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. And you have to believe that. You have to believe that. John 14, 6, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one will come to the Father except through me. Paul, and speaking in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, nor is there uh, salvation in any other, for there is no other name, Peter rather speaking, there is salvation in, 
nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Salvation requires that you believe in two things. Notice verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Salvation requires belief in two things. Number one, you must believe that Jesus is Lord. That He, that he shares the character and the nature and the holiness and the power and the authority of the one and only true God. Thus, He is supreme over me. I belong to Him. Salvation requires that you believe that, that Jesus is Lord. Number two, salvation requires that you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. You see, true belief of this will cause us to confess Him before others because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the reason that sometimes those who say they are Christians never speak or live for Christ is because He really isn't their Savior. Because when your heart is filled with a passion and a love for Jesus, He can't help but come out your mouth. You don't have to crank people. It's a, it's a normal, it's a natural thing. It just flows out of us. Notice verse 13. The salvation message is for everyone. It's universal. Look what he says. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is no national distinction. There is no ethnic distinction. There is no cultural distinction. There is no depraved condition too deep. There is no sin too great. And there is no person too lost. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The same Lord is over all peoples and is generous to all who will call upon Him. And here is the glorious crescendo of the Gospel. Whoever will call upon Jesus will be delivered from the just condemnation of their rebellion and sin. What a glorious truth. So here's the question for us. So how does verse 13 happen on Guam this week? How does it happen? That's the question. How can verse 13 happen in Kitwe, Zambia this week, in Blantyre, Malawi, in Nairobi, Kenya, in Juba, South Sudan? If, if the gospel is indeed the world's greatest need, what must we do to meet it? How does the gospel get to little orphan girls like Tina living in the middle of Africa? How does it happen? 
I mean, maybe, maybe what we could do is, is we could fly over. You know, we could fly over and we could drop leaflets out of the plane explaining the gospel message. We could even illustrate them. They could be illustrated leaflets. But maybe that's what we could do. Or, or maybe what we could do is send foods to the nearly one million starving people who are living right now in terror on the border between North Sudan and South Sudan, living in caves because of the oppression from the Muslim North. Places like Kordofan, South Kordofan, and Blue Nile State. Maybe, maybe what we could do is we could go into rural Zambia and we could dig a bunch of wells so that people can drink fresh water. Maybe that's how they will be able to call upon the name of the Lord. In Jesus' ministry, He went everywhere doing good. But, but you know, there were always more sick people to heal. There were more dead people to raise and more mouths to feed. And they were begging Him to do it. In fact, in Mark chapter 1, after a very long day of ministry that, that extended deep into the night and there were queues of people waiting to be healed and, and then early the next morning, Scripture says in verse, in verse uh, 35 through 38 that Jesus got up a great while before day and went out into a deserted place and there He was praying. Disciples get up and already early in the morning there was another long queue of people waiting to meet Jesus because they had needs. So Peter and a couple of disciples headed to the bush. They're going to find him. And sure enough, there he was praying. And when he stopped, Simon says to him in verse 36, everyone is looking for you. I mean, Lord, we've got to get back down there in the town. There's, there's, there's so many needs down there and people have already lined up. They're waiting for you. You know what Jesus said in verse 38? Jesus said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have come forth. Beloved, our good works adorn the gospel, but our good works by themselves are not the gospel. The gospel is the greatest need of every people group. Number two, preaching the gospel is the Christian's greatest responsibility. Why is that true? Well, number one, because we were commissioned to this task by Jesus Himself. I mean, Paul, the writer of this book, was was cornered by Jesus on the Damascus Road and called as a gospel witness. You find that story in Acts chapter 9. But we too have been cornered by Jesus and called to be gospel witnesses for Him. You see, preaching the gospel is the Christian's greatest responsibility because number one, we were commissioned to this task by Jesus Himself. Number two, because verse 13 has already clearly shown us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And number three, Preaching the gospel is the Christian's greatest responsibility because those who don't hear 
will be damned forever. Because those who don't hear the gospel will be damned for all eternity. Notice, please, if you would, in verse 14. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I want us to look at that text again, but I want, us, I want us to read it backwards. Look what it says. Preaching the gospel is the Christian's greatest responsibility because those who don't hear will be damned forever. Notice what he says at the end of verse 15. If there is no sending, there is no preaching. If there is no preaching, there is no hearing. If there is no hearing, there is no believing. If there is no believing, there is no calling. If there is no calling on Jesus, they are damned forever. John 3.18, Jesus Himself said, He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Luke 16, 23 and 24, Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus having placed his faith in the Messiah and the rich man who placed his faith in his riches. And it speaks of him and says, and he being in torments in Hades, lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. The rich man cries and says, Father Abraham! Have mercy on me. Have mercy and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Paul writing in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8 says that the day is coming in which Jesus, who will not then be revealing himself as Savior, he will reveal himself as judge. And on that day in flaming fire will take vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we get that, that, that picture finish of the end in Revelation chapter 20. And this is what's recorded by, by the Apostle John. That there is coming a day that the sea will will vomit up the dead who are in it. And death and Hades will deliver up the dead who are in them. And they will be judged, each one according to his works. Then death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And listen to these frightening words. And anyone, anyone from any generation and any culture and any people group Anyone not found written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. Preaching the gospel is the Christian's greatest responsibility because we are commissioned to this task by Jesus Himself. Because 
Because whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And because those who don't hear will be damned forever. Look at verse 17. How do these peoples, how must you this morning escape this judgment and know the glories of fellowship and forgiveness with God through His Son Jesus? How does that happen? It says in verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes through hearing God's Word. Tina, in December, graduated from grade 12. And on Christmas Day, she graduated and exited Faith Children's Village. On Wednesday night, before I flew here, she was in, in prayer meeting. I gave her a big hug, a big smile on her face. You see, that's the difference that Jesus makes. The gospel. The gospel. You must know it. Number two, you must receive it. Have you received God's free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ? Have you? Do you this morning believe that Christ is man's only way to heaven? You must know the gospel. You must receive the gospel. And then number three, you must share the gospel. You say, where do we share the gospel? Locally. Through the intentional engagement and proclamation of the gospel within your circle of influence. Are you engaged with this glorious message right where you are? You know the problem? A bunch of you are in full-time full -time ministry. You know what the problem is? For you full-time ministry people, you got the same problem I do. We get in our little bubble. It's like the cartoon where the little character's inside a bubble just floating around. You ever seen that? That's exactly what you can do as a missionary. That's exactly what you can do as a pastor. That's exactly what you can do as an administrator, as a Christian school teacher. You float around in a bubble. And your life never pops up against people who are lost. And you never share the gospel. Paul says, the aching burden of my heart, and if I could do it, I would make myself accursed. I would die and go to hell if only my people could come to Jesus. You must share it locally. And number two, you must share it globally through gospel partnerships. And for some of us, it's through the obedient abandonment to going cross-culturally to preach this gospel. That's for some of us here. So let me ask you this. What is the all-consuming desire of your heart? Does your heart burn for little girls like Tina to know Christ? Do you know Christ? Is He in your mind? His, does He flow out of your lips? Is He reflected in your life? The gospel 
is the world's greatest need. And preaching the gospel is the Christian's greatest responsibility.